0: Feeling small when tears are in your eyes, I will dry them all. I'm on your side, yeah. get rough. fall
1: Let me see your hands if you know who Cody Lee is, the singer. How many have seen the story? It's the story of a young man who is blind and profoundly autistic, who performs incredibly in music on um, America's Got Talent. Bridge Over Troubled Waters is one of those songs that's one of the iconic songs of the American history and the American psyche. And I think that Cody Lee touches our hearts for at least two reasons, many, many others, but at least two of those in my mind that this um, this presentation is being so widely distributed the first is that i believe that god reminds us from time to time that every human being has value our world throws people away like trash bags if they don't measure up into a certain standard or a certain ability or a certain level of success and from time to time i think god raises up people who have profound disabilities in our understanding to show us what his gifting looks like in that context. It's a powerful, powerful presentation. But the song also, Bridge Over Troubled Water, has a special place in the American history, in our American psyche. It's this sense of story that we have embraced over the decades. In 1969, 50 years ago, was spring when Bobby Kennedy and Martin Luther King Jr. were assassinated. Racial tensions were erupting all across the United States and Paul Simon had some lyrics to a song that were resonating in his head. He'd been singing them over and over in his mind for over a week that said, when you're weary, when you're feeling small, when tears are in your eyes, I will drive them all, but nowhere to go with that and feeling the sadness and the tension of the United States at that time. But he also had an album by a Southern Gospel group called the Swan Silvertones, Southern Gospel Black Quartet that he loved to listen to, and he said, every time I came home, I put that record on so it was in my mind. And there was one song where the lead singer shouted out I'll be your bridge over deep water if you'll trust in my name. He said, and so I stole it. Bridge over troubled Waters spent six weeks in the number one spot in the U.S. It swept the Grammys in 1971, claiming six awards, including Song of the Year, Record of the Year. The song's been translated in many languages. It's by. It's been covered by over 50 artists, including... Johnny Cash, Elvis Presley, Aretha Franklin, the Jackson Five, and Willie Nelson, and the list goes on and on by those who have performed the co- or covered Bridge Over Troubled Waters. It's something that resonates with us, that sense of being alone and lost and someone being there to help you through that struggle. Now, September 15th, as I hope you've seen as you walk through the building, is our Back to Church Sunday. We want to do a great job of inviting people back to church. You say, well, what about people who have never gone to church? Well, the invitation is more than back to church to individuals, but I think it's an opportunity for us to call our culture back to church, to that place where our moral um, uh, uh, center can be rediscovered in a relationship with God. We have several tools for you to do that that I hope you'll take advantage of. Please go by the information desk and pick up some of these business-sized cards with lines on the back. Please put names on there and begin to pray that God will touch them. Begin to sow prayer into the lives of people around you that need to come back and find the Lord. Except the Lord build the house they labor in vain that build it. I'm going to tell you, we can do all of the campaigns of evangelism in the world we want to do and they'll come to naught if it's not if it's not seasoned and saturated by prayer and the best tool that we have to reach people are you sitting in the chairs nothing else will be able to compare with that please take one of these and put some names on there begin to pray over those and put about five of these would you in your bible in your pocket in some form that you keep with you in your card it's an invite to back to church Sunday that at the right time in the right place you can give to someone take advantage of the tools and for the next four weeks we're going to talk about this word that has become the e-word in our culture that e-word is evangelism a vineyard pastor was asked to speak at a conference of liturgical churches Now, vineyard and liturgy don't flow together really well. So we asked them, why do you want me to speak at your conference? And they said, well, your church is growing, ours are not, and we want you to come and teach on church growth. I want you to listen to what this vineyard pastor said. I don't really know much about church growth, but I would like to talk to you about evangelism. The response of one of the inviters was... It's funny you mentioned the E word. We were just talking to our leadership about how uncomfortable we are with the E word, evangelism. Any church that is not evangelistic will be a dying church. And any church that's fulfilling its purpose will be an evangelistic church. But it's become a word in culture that has been branded as something negative. We talk about it. We just don't do it. There are other E-words. As I was doing some research, I found out that when you're talking about women in any context, you shouldn't use the word emotional. (laughs) That's an E-word. Another E-word when you're looking at the world need is empathy, because most of us have no context to respond to the needs of the world, and we shouldn't pretend to be so by the word empathy. In the church, evangelism or the culture evangelism has become an E word. Seventy-five percent of American adults say they have very infrequent or no conversations about religion or spirituality outside the church. Seventy-five percent say it never happens in their life. Older adults, those older than me, are... (laughs) Are the least likely to talk about their faith. And you know who's mo- more likely to talk about their faith? Those dreaded millennials. While we criticize millennials, they're the ones who are finding that faith conversations have value. Why aren't we talking? Here are the things we say to salve our. Conscience we don't have religious conversations because they create tension. It's been politicized. We don't know enough We don't want to be known as a religious person. We don't want to sound weird people will think we're extremists So what I want to do if you understand that that the that that Jesus last Commission should be the church's first concern go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature that as important as social media is, there'll never be a tool for evangelism more powerful than you and I having a conversation. How can we redeem the word evangelism? Today, in the three weeks that follow, I want to talk about how we can redeem the word evangelism with other e-words. This morning, I want to challenge you to begin to think about evangelism in the context of this word, Encouragement. Everybody likes to be encouraged. Except dead people. How how many of you like to be encouraged? We all like that. I was having a conversation. How many of you know someone that's really flowery with their words? They're always encouraging, always saying positive things, and you don't believe half of it. How many know somebody like that? (laughs) how many of you are just have a rebellious spirit this morning you're just (laughs) not cooperating pastor sorry Uh, i have a, a friend that that is always encouraging and lives in another state and whenever i see him it's how wonderful you are you're just great you're a wonderful person i don't believe half of what he says but it still feels good doesn't it to have someone say something positive? I know it's not true, but can you tell me that? What was that you said? Can you say that again? People want to be encouraged. We want to be built up. We live in a world where everything else tears us down. We have a responsibility to express to people that there is someone around them that cares. Who in the world, who in this place has not felt the reality of these words? When you're weary, when you're feeling small, when tears are in your eyes, let me see your hands if you've ever had that experience and wanted someone to come alongside you and help you through that. That's what makes this song so powerful. I'll be your bridge. Now, I know that we have a bridge over troubled waters. His name is Jesus. I know that. But sometimes we need Jesus with skin on. someone to be the voice of God into our world. The word encouragement is a powerful, powerful thing. I read an article that captured the definition of encouragement. I just want to read it to you. I can't do it any better. I want you to follow along with this paragraph. In ancient Greece, encouragement was the word used to describe speeches by leaders and soldiers who were urging one another on in battle. It's a word used to rally fearful, cowardly, hesitant soldiers and sailors to move courageously forward. An encourager is someone who puts courage into the faint-hearted and strengthens feeble arms to keep them fighting. Encouragement pushes people to a higher level than they ever thought possible. It causes people to take a high road rather than the low road, to be better than they are, more committed than they are, more persevering than they otherwise would be. Encouragement takes someone who is ready to throw in the towel and give it all up and causes that person to keep going, to persevere, to give it another shot. And I think that's what the Christian church should be. We should be helping people who are fearful and ready to give up continue to persevere. And this is what I know, that if you wrap your evangelism in the the garb of encouragement, your evangelism will no longer be the E word. It'll be something that is accepted by others. I've discovered that when you're encouraging to other people and you begin to share with them things that build them up, they become interested in what else you have to say. Hello? So we're going to talk about a man named Barnabas. His name was Joseph. He was a Levite from Cyprus. And the the disciples gave him a name Son of Encouragement. Barnabas, Bar, son of, of Encouragement. Why would they give him that name? It wasn't his birth name, but it was a name based on his character that they assigned to him because he was such an encourager. I'd love to go around the room and bring a microphone up and have various ones stand and say, if we were to give you a name based on your character and impact on the body of Christ, what would you be the son or daughter of? Hello, I want to introduce to you this morning the daughter of discouragement. I want, to, I want you to meet one of our new members. He is the son of grumpiness. This is the daughter of grouchiness. This is the son of stinginess. <laughs> this is the daughter of we never see them. <laughs> I'm having so much fun because you clearly are not. The whole thrusting, what do you emanate? What character flows out of you? The reason is we have used, listen to me, we have used evangelism to discourage people, to beat them down and tell them everything that's wrong with them. That's not good news. The good news is you are broken and you already know that. But there's a way of life. There's hope, there's joy, there's peace. There's heaven to be your final destiny. And I want to tell you how to get there because Jesus loves you and I love you and God has great things for you and came to give abundant life. And when we wrap our evangelism in words of encouragement, good things will flow out of that. We can redeem the word. Let's look at Barnabas. How do you become an encourager? I want to suggest some things from Life of Barnabas that I'd like for you to think about. Number one, I want to call you, Berean, to befriend the friendless, to befriend the friendless. Barnabas took him, Saul slash Paul, and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and then that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Let me give you a little background to what just happened here. Saul, in chapter 9 of the book of Acts, is giving authority for Christians to be killed. It's Stephen that we read the story that they laid their coats at the feet of Saul who authorized the stoning of Stephen. And the church watched. And I want you to imagine stoning. We talk about cruel, and unusual punishment. What is stoning? They throw rocks at you until it beats you to death and pile rocks on top of you, and Saul is standing there giving consent, breathing threatenings and slaughter against the church. He was a committed, um, fearless, ferocious persecutor of the church. And then he found Jesus on the Damascus Road, radically changed. And he begins to preach about Christ, and he starts to have such influence that now the Jews who had supported him want to kill him. And there's a plot to get rid of him and so they, they put him in a basket and most scholars say it was a garbage basket, that at night they put him in a basket, let him out through the window and down on the ground with the trash so he could escape. So you have this Pharisee of the Pharisees, this well-respected leader of Israel named Saul who's persecuting the church killing believers who finds Christ and now thinks he's going to just walk into the church and be accepted. So I want you to imagine with me for a moment that the American culture changes and persecution becomes rampant in the United States. And you have to be politically, socially blind to not recognize how precipitously close we are to that reality. It could happen in our generation. Now I want you to imagine that your father was arrested by the police and the chief of police brings capital charges against him of proselyting which happens all over the world, but now we're doing it in the U.S., and it's your father. And you watch on the evening news when he's taken to the town square and with a sword is beheaded for his behavior. Year goes by, and I announce on a Sunday that this guy, the chief of police who cut off his head, is going to speak to us on a Sunday. Are you feeling their pain? Do you understand what their reaction might have been? We don't trust him. It's another ploy. There's no way that we're going to listen to him talk. So here is Saul in no man's land. The Jews hate him because he's preaching Christ. The Christians are afraid of him because he was killing them right and left. He has no friends. He has no nation. He has no place to go except for. A man named Barnabas who is known as a man of character and encouragement who puts his reputation on the line to say, I believe in Saul. Without Barnabas, there's no Paul the apostle. Without Barnabas, there's no missionary journey. Without Barnabas, there's no gospel going to Europe. That came out of a man of encouragement, who put his arm around a man that nobody trusted and said, I'm willing to stand by this man and be his friend. When you look around our world, there are friendless people all around us, people who don't have any friends. Think about how lonely and alone they feel. Think about how sad life must be for them. David experienced that in Psalm 142, verse 4. He said, look to my right and see. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. No one cares for my life. More than 90% of people in America are no longer friends today with someone that they once called their best friend. 90% of Americans say that they're no longer friends today with someone that they once called their best friend friend and when someone doesn't have any friends they're all alone it's almost never because their core personality is unlikable it's usually due to a mix of other factors like they don't know how to make friends they're too shy they're socially anxious they're insecure they're unconfident to pursue friendships and you know who they are You'll see them at a Little League game sitting by themselves. You'll see them at a restaurant alone. You'll see them walk into church and they'll stand in the foyer by themselves or sit in a back chair. They're all around us asking for someone to notice them, but having no means to ask for that. What does evangelism do? Well, I'll tell you what we do we come to church to see our friends. We go to Little League to see our friends. We go to events to see our friends, and we hang out with our friends. What would happen if we would change our perspective and say, Jesus, in the next six months, let me be a friend to someone who doesn't have friends. Now I know that takes work and there's risk, and you've got to know them, and not every friendless person is trustworthy. But what would happen if we decided to be an encourager of those who have no one to encourage them? We might rescue a life from disaster. We might introduce them to a family they've never had. What would happen if we were more concerned about the friendless than we were about our friendships? And I'll tell you what, if I'm talking to you and I see someone alone and walk away and that makes you mad because I walk away in mid-sentence to someone who's all alone, then you can go somewhere else to church. How many are hearing what I'm saying? Yeah, We've got to start looking to the friendless. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. Don't get mad at me. I, in fact, right now, i take any emotion. Anger would be good. <laughs> <laughs> to befriend the friendless. Isn't that what the church should be? That's what we're called to do. Look for someone who needs a friend. Jesus came to us when we weren't Worthy, And I'll tell you what a friendship will do. When you come alongside someone who has no friends. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't resist, Gary, yeah, I'm sorry. What? Everybody, let me hear your hands if you're a friend of Gary Cachette. Just let me hear your hands. That was, a, that was a little weak, but you've got a few. Oh, you got a few. If he has no friends and I become his friend, Do you know what's going to happen? I won't have to force a faith conversation. I won't have to pull out four spiritual laws and say, are you ready? If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven or hell? People aren't responsive to that. But to a friend, if I'm a believer, if I'm a believer, What's on the inside of me is going to come to the outside of me. And when you encourage people, they're going to want to know what you have that they don't have. And evangelism becomes natural because we've wrapped it in the robes of encouragement. And we're blessing people who don't have friends. And so I want you just to begin to look around. Somehow I'd like to drive this into your psyche that when we go into a place, when we're sitting somewhere, find someone. Look around for the friendless. And let's encourage them and be their friend. Second, I want to challenge you that we need to build up the broken. We need to build up the broken. (laughs) That's really easy to say. It's hard to do. The Bible says in Acts chapter 15, verse 37, that Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. Who was John Mark? John Mark was a pansy. He's a sissy. He went on that first missionary journey because... Barnabas felt responsible to try to get his nephew involved in ministry. He wasn't doing much anyway, so let's get him in ministry. It's sometimes why parents send their kids to Bible school hoping they'll get saved and then wonder why this Bible school has the problems they have. You can't just let that happen. And so let's, sure, that's it. Let's take this person who's never accomplished much and let's put him on the mission field. Halfway through, he's had enough. I'm not cut out for this. And he went home to mommy. Where's that in the Bible? No, it's not. It's in my message. (laughs) What we know is he gave up and he went home. After they complete the missionary journey, Paul says to Barnabas, let's go back around and encourage the churches that we started. And Barnabas says, that's good. Let's take John Mark. Can you imagine the expression on Paul's face? I mean, he faces stoning. He faces the Sanhedrin. This is a guy that killed people. We're not talking about just a Sunday school teacher that had never faced a class of more than four primary, but that, that would change your life too. It's not happening. We're not taking John Mark. He wimped out on us the first time. It's one and done. Here, pal, we got work to do. I don't have time to babysit. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but I've met people who have felt that way. Don't have time to babysit. I don't have time to put up with your stuff. He's not going. And and Barnabas says he is going. And um, Paul says he's not. Now, let me tell you something about conflict. Conflict sometimes is perfectly within the will of God. Because God had a call on Barnabas' life and a calling on Paul's life that were no longer compatible. And they had to see that. I don't believe they got mean. I don't believe they got ugly. They recognized that their callings were not compatible. Paul was called to face the darkness and build churches. Barnabas was called to face brokenness and build people he takes John mark that couldn't be harmonized so Paul goes on his way builds a new team and Barnabas goes uh, to Cyprus and he takes John mark with him and builds him up did it work oh yes at the end of Paul's life one of the most powerful it melts my heart to read it when I think about the ministry of Barnabas Paul says bring, the, bring the, the scrolls and bring Mark for he is profitable to me for the ministry. He's saying Barnabas, he wasn't profitable on that day but you've invested in him and you have built him and before I die I want to acknowledge that you have changed him into a man of God and I want to see him again, bring him with you. He's profitable to me. Do you know that without Barnabas and John Mark, there'd be no gospel of Mark. Most scholars believe Mark was written by John Mark as he recorded the stories and the teachings of the apostle Peter, why is there no gospel of Peter? It's because John Mark became his mentor from Barnabas and served alongside Peter and listened to the stories and thought, these are too good to let slip away. And he began to record them. And it was accepted by the early church as part of the canon of Scripture that the gospel of Mark is there because Barnabas said, here is a young man who's a failure that I'm willing to invest in. I'm willing to see him change. Who are the broken? People who have failed in some capacity or another. Capitalism and Christianity are not very compatible in the sense that we reward success and punish failure. I'm not talking now about crime, I'm talking about the business world, and in capitalism, there's not really room for people who aren't success driven in the higher levels of a capitalistic culture. You get fired from a job. You drop out from teaching a Sunday school class. You withdraw for a while. And I'm not talking about those who commit sin. They need to come back to Christ, absolutely. But I can be, I can be not as compassionate maybe as I should be or could be, not should be, but could be when people don't do what they've said they're gonna do. Anybody hear what I'm saying? And I'd be a little bit more, unfortunately, a little bit more like Paul. Okay, you're never teaching here again. <laughs> Someone who has wounded you, who let you down, who didn't follow through in their commitment. What do you need to do? It's our job to find the broken and not condemn them but rebuild them. Not saying that what John Mark did was right, but Barnabas said, I'm going to turn you in to a new person. I'm going to teach you how to be effective in what God has called you to do. It seems as though a failure marks many people for the rest of their lives because while God forgets, we won't. Are you hearing me? What does encouragement do? It doesn't say you failed, but it doesn't keep the scarlet letter on your forehead. Even with people who have sinned and failed, it doesn't write them off because, listen to me, if the gospel means anything, it means that we forgive like Jesus forgave, and if he washes sin away, we ought to as well and reach those broken people and help rebuild their lives. Encouragement will do that. I have had the opportunity to walk alongside some ministers who have struggled. And I'll, I'll never forget one in particular who had been put under discipline in the assumptions of God. And it was a, it was a failure. I sat with him in a restaurant. We met every week as I listen to him say, I will never preach again. I'll never be in ministry again. I just, I'm gonna go through this program so I can complete it and then I'm done. Now watch, week after week. What am I trying to do? I don't have any magic bullet. I don't have any elixir that will change everything. You just have to try to encourage people. And one of the great joys of my life is to be able to talk to someone who's really struggling and see that little flicker of light come back in because you've been able to build them up a bit. And that went on for weeks and weeks. One day I came out and he was so broken he didn't even go home. He'd spent the night in the church parking lot sleeping in his car. One of our ministers then one day he said I've got to tell you something began to pick up the pieces and I could see God beginning to change and heal him on the inside he said I got a box in the mail I don't know where it came from well what was it he said it was a a, a relay race baton someone bought a relay race baton put it in a box inscribed on it it's time to pick up the baton again and he brought it told me about it and from that day began to move forward and he's effective doing the ministry that god has called him to do today because jesus will work through your encouragement to change the lives of people i can't change anybody you want to talk about what i feel like like are the high points of my life it's when you can encourage a broken person and see Jesus put those broken pieces back together and use them again but we have to be willing to forgive and reach out and pour into them if you want evangelism to be effective look around your neighborhood look at your neighbors who have fallen on their face that have done something that has caused their world to fall apart and come alongside them people who question you why are you doing that they they should suffer for what they've gone through they already are but the gospel is good news isn't it if any man be in Christ he's the new creation and when you come alongside the broken and begin to encourage them they're going to want to hear your faith story we wrap evangelism in the robes of encouragement if redemption means anything it means that failures can be redeemed our God is the God of second chances. Third, I want you to befriend the friendless. I want you to build up the broken. <laughs> Are you ready? This I've been waiting all morning to say this. You need to be lovable. Now, I didn't tell my wife I was going to tell this, but I, I generally will kind of bounce the message while I'm working through it, and I'm telling her the points, and, and I said, the third point is be lovable. And she said, really? <laughs> well, being lo- <laughs> I understand. I am not the neighborhood teddy bear. God's wired me in a different way. But I just need to, does anybody find me able to be loved? Does anybody love me this morning? Oh, come on, you're scaring me. Come on, give me a little help here. Give me a little help. You all hate me. You can leave now. It comes in different shapes, different sizes. I don't mean that we all have to be Joel Osteen smiling at everybody. The only way I could do that is if they put wire in my face. I can't do that all the time. But you have to be the kind of person that someone can believe in and put their confidence in and trust you. You have to be lovable. Does anybody, (laughs) oh, church, are you ready? Does anybody really like you? If nobody does, please don't tell them about Jesus. Are you hearing me this morning? Now, I'm not talking about pretending. I'm not talking about being something you're not. But what's the evidence of whether you're lovable? It really starts with do you love anybody? Do you love anybody? I mean, really love them. Because when you love people, love will be reciprocated. And so I don't live my life saying, oh, I hope somebody loves me today. I feel like the psychiatrist who said, it'd be nice if everybody liked me, but it's not necessary. I kind of live by that rule of thumb. But if you pour love into someone, you'll harvest love back from them. Be lovable. Lovable. The Bible says about Barnabas, it seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. <laughs> now, I'm reading, I'm reading into that because you could also read our beloved Barnabas and Paul. But it didn't say our beloved Paul and Barnabas. It said our beloved Barnabas and Paul. I believe they loved them both. But Barnabas was someone They loved. I know that sometimes we don't love others because we don't feel loved. And sometimes we um, have to ask the Lord to encourage us, as David asked the Lord to encourage him. But I I saw a picture, I almost put the slide up. But I, I got an article, came across a news feed that if you're having a bad day, look at these 19 people. And there's a picture of a young man who stuck his head into the hole of a tree to see what was in there. What was in there was a porcupine. And when he pulled his head out, there are porcupine quills all over his, so when you're having a bad day, remember the kid with the porcupine quills. And I saw that while I was praying, my, uh, preparing this message, and I thought, you know what? It is hard to love a porcupine. <laughs> Your goal in life shouldn't be to see how many people You can correct, it should be to build loving relationships with people. Because when you love them, they'll listen to you. Listen, and if no one is listening to you, you need to ask yourself why. You need to ask yourself why. We can redeem evangelism by being an encourager. When you wrap the robes of encouragement around the substance of evangelism, it moves it from an E word to a life-giving word. So I'm going to ask for you to do something tangible. Something tangible. Carol and I, I won't say who, it doesn't matter who or what it was about, but it was really timely that in prepping for this message, I got a uh, um, digital message from someone in our church that was really, really encouraging to both of us. And do you know, how many of you know that when you're in the middle of a firefight, and I'm not here, that's not, but when you're in the middle of a battle for someone to say, I'm with you, sometimes it's all it takes. It's all it takes. It's all it takes. We have prepared at the information desk about 300 word of encouragement cards with a brand logo on the back. I'm going to and what if we go through them all? We can print these really quickly. I'm going to ask every one of you that will this week to pick up one or two of these cards, I don't care how many, and write a note of encouragement to someone that you haven't encouraged for quite a while. So husband, if that's your wife, get it together so you don't have to do this next week. But I'm talking about someone that God would put on your heart and say, I was thinking about you, and I want you to know I'm praying for you. Uh, How many will at least think about picking up a card and sending one out this week? Tangibly, I want us to do something. I want this sermon to be more than, oh, that was interesting. Um, I really like Bridge Over Troubled Waters. I want you to be the bridge Jesus is the bridge, but I want you to be the bridge. Jesus was skin on. You'll never know whose life might be changed by one of these cards. And then I'm going to ask you to text us and join an encouragement group. If you will, this is different than text to give. This goes into a different system. But if you will text the word encouragement, write this down somewhere. I'm going to wait till I see you writing it down. Write it somewhere. Write it on your forehead. Write it somewhere. Text the word encouragement to 515, or that is great. Take a screenshot of it. Take a picture. 515-373-8515. 515-373-8515. Text the word encouragement and then tell us the encounter that you had this week by encouraging someone and what happened from that. I want to hear those stories. I want to share those stories. I want us to encourage one another by telling the stories of how we encouraged one another. Hello? Text the word encouragement to 515-373-8515 and text your story. I want you to write a card. I want you to talk to someone. I want you to tell us how you've been an encourager. Why didn't I pass out these cards? Here's what I know. If I give every one of you a card and you won't go and pick it up, you won't send it either. But if you go out and pick it up, there's some initiative that you're saying, I'm willing to actually make this happen. Pastor Nathan, would you come? I want to end this way this morning because I know that you can't, <laughs> I don't even know where this song came from that just went flying through my head. You can't be a beacon if your light don't shine. How many have ever have heard that song? You, you can't be a beacon. No, we're not doing that, don't we? I just got the eyebrows from the worship leader (laughs) that ain't happening but I know it's true you can't be an encourager when your tank's empty you can't be an encourager when you're in the middle of a battle and you need someone to lift you up and I want this to be a place where we encourage one another And I thought about just having us all go and say an encouraging word to someone. We may do that anyway at the end, but here's what I wanna do, and this will be tough to do, be hard to do. But if you feel like you're weary, you're feeling small, and tears come in your eyes, we wanna dry them all. If you just feel like you're in a tough spot, could use a little encouragement it's the encourager, the paraclete's in the house right now. I wish you'd feel what I'm feeling up here right now. There's a sweet presence of the paraclete, the advocate, the comforter in the room right now. And if you need to be encouraged, he's here to encourage you. Would you just stand up? You're in a tough spot. It's been hard. Would you just quickly stand up just so we can pray for you? Come on, I know you're here. Thank you. Thank you come on there's there are others here you need to stand if if we can't respond we can't expect others to respond when they thank you in the balcony i see two up there a couple down here anyone else just gonna wait for a minute just gonna wait for a minute you need some encouragement this morning we all do we all do it's called authenticity and vulnerability anyone else real quickly you just need some encouragement this morning all right i see three in the balcony i see three down here on the main floor I don't know, Pastor Bill, how many are standing up uh, in the North Chapel, but here's what I'd like to have in all three locations. In a moment, I'd like for all of us to stand. And I just want you to be the hands of Jesus to them this morning. I want you to walk up, and just lay your hand on them and prophetically pray the encouragement of the Spirit over them. Last Sunday a lady came and said, Can I pray for you? Laid hands on me, prayed in the Spirit. And I just felt encouraged. By that. How many of you believe that there is supernatural encouragement in the house right now? I do. I do. Would you stand and just go to someone and if you can't get to them, reach to them? Come on, let's all stand. Go to someone that's standing. Just lay your hand on them and for a moment, just pray encouragement over them. God's gonna lift some burdens right now. God's gonna pour some life into some people right now. There's this there's a presence of the Holy Spirit in the room. There's a presence of the Spirit in the room. Come on. Just talk to the comforter. Just talk to the comforter.
0: reason to wait Jesus is calling bring your sorrows and trade them for joy from the ashes a new life is born Jesus is calling hey. oh come to me oh Precious blood Oh, what a
1: Jesus, I'm so grateful for the presence of your spirit in this room today. I pray, Lord, for those who are in a low place, that they would experience the encouragement that comes from the divine paraclete comforter advocate who comes alongside us to help. Let them feel that love and peace this morning. Jesus, I ask that you would give us different eyes as we go into the week ahead of us, that we will look for someone that we can encourage, knowing that out of that will come an opportunity to share what you've done for us in Jesus' name. And everyone in agreement said, amen. God bless you. Shake someone's hand. Be an encouragement to them.